welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Vizient publishes our pharmacy market outlook twice a year. The outlook features drug price projections and key market insights to help support member strategic planning. Doctors Jenny Hayes and Amanda Frick, both senior clinical managers for market intelligence and my Vizient Pharmacy colleagues, join me today to give us an early look. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director in the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence and your program host. Welcome back to the podcast team. Thanks, Gretchen. It's great to be here. Thank you. Jenny, what are some of the areas of focus for 2024 highlighted in this pharmacy market outlook? We have identified four areas of focus. First, payer cost containment remains a significant focus in the healthcare industry. One strategy that payers implement is the restriction on infusions being administered in hospital outpatient departments through their white bagging policies and site of care restrictions. So to assist providers in navigating this landscape, Vizient has recently launched a site of care database, which provides key attributes for over 700 injectable medications, enabling providers to determine which medications can safely be administered in lower acuity settings. This information can then be used in conversations with payers to optimize patient care while still containing costs. Second, the management of high coordination of care medications is an emerging challenge. This term coined by Erin Fox and her team at the University of Utah refers to cell and gene therapies and other infusions that have complex requirements. These medications often require specialized handling, storage, administration, and monitoring. As the use of these therapies increases, it becomes crucial to develop effective strategies for operational workflows to ensure both financial viability as well as optimal patient outcomes. Third, drug shortages continue to be a persistent issue for healthcare providers. One notable example is the severe shortage of chemotherapy agents such as cisplatin and carboplatin last year in 2023. These shortages have a significant impact on patient care, leading to delays or changes in treatment plans. Efforts to address and mitigate drug shortages continue to be essential to ensure uninterrupted access to critical medications for patients. Finally, drug pricing remains a topic of ongoing concern. The Inflation Reduction Act has made progress in addressing this issue, including the establishment of a list of Part D negotiated drugs. Additionally, the lump sum remedy payment to reimburse hospitals for the cuts to 340B medications between 2018 and 2022 was just finalized. As well, the 340B program continues to face scrutiny, highlighting the need for transparency and accountability in drug pricing. The areas of focus for 2024 really encompass healthcare cost containment, operational medication management, financial reimbursement, and drug pricing. Well, you've really covered a lot in this issue, and I like that moniker of high coordination of care. It really is descriptive of what's going on with these medications. So thank you for sharing those four areas of focus. I know each version of the Outlook has enhancements and improvements. You have a standard feature of the projected timeline and approvals figure at the beginning of our document, and we now also have a table of new and noteworthy approvals. Can you touch a little bit on that? What were some of the approvals that you were most excited to see. Amanda, why don't you start? Yeah, I'm excited to see what our members think about this edition. 
The table doesn't capture all new drug approvals that occurred in 2023, but we really tried to include those that we thought would be most noteworthy and impactful. A couple of features that I would point out, one, the drugs are broken out by service line. Everyone is short on time. So let's say you are interested in what drugs got approved in the oncology space. Then you can go directly to that service line in the table and look at those drugs. The other thing I would point out, there's a column called what's new, where we tried to highlight distinguishing characteristics of these drugs and why we found them so noteworthy. As far as some of the approvals I was most excited to see, there were two gene therapies that I would like to note. Cascevi, which was previously being referred to as Exocel, and Lipgenia, which was previously being referred to as Lobocell. These are the first gene therapies approved for sickle cell disease. And I think why I was so excited about this is many gene therapies are targeting these rare and ultra rare disease states. And sickle cell disease is something that coming from the hospital setting, we did see fairly frequently. So I was excited to see these approvals. Something else I was excited about, we finally saw a biosimilar approved for Nuasta OnPro, and this is Coherence's Udenica OnBody, and that should be launching this quarter. When we talked to our members about pegbograts and biosimilars, they really mentioned there are several pegbograts and biosimilars already on the market, but they really mentioned this biosimilar for the Nuasta OnPro would be the differentiator in this space. So I was excited to see that approved. Zymphentra, a sub-Q version of Infliximab. Weslana, this is going to be big. That's the first biosimilar for Stellara that was approved. Now that won't launch until January 2025, but I think why that's so big is Stellara is ranked number three in Visient member spend overall. So with approval of this biosimilar, that's definitely going to be impactful to our members. And lastly, I would say Defecast is something that we have been monitoring in the pharmacy pipeline for some time, and it's finally approved is its first commercially available antibiotic lock solution. I can't agree more about the sickle cell anemia patient population. Very excited to see new therapeutics for that population. Service line is definitely an intuitive way to organize this section. And the what's new feature does allow for a quick look by our busy clinicians. You're knocking it out of the park there. What about pipeline? What are some of the drugs that you're looking forward to seeing approved in 2024, Amanda? Starting with gene therapy, we're anticipating approval of at least four additional gene therapies. I wouldn't be surprised if there are more. There are several phase three agents that I think are close to submitting BLA. Just a couple I'll call out. There's an additional agent in the pipeline for epidermolysis bullosa called PZ cell, and this would be a one-time treatment. That's exciting. And there's also another gene therapy coming out for hemophilia B, and this is Fidanka gene Parvovec. Also very exciting. We may finally see the first drug approved for the treatment of NASH. This is Resmediram. I know a lot of people are keeping a close eye on this one. I think there have been several therapies that we thought would come out for the treatment of NASH that just haven't come to fruition, but I do think this one will come to fruition. And I'll also call out Lipilucel. This will be the first approved tumor infiltrating lymphocyte or TIL therapy for melanoma. And we've received several questions from our members throughout this previous year as far as when do we think the first TIL therapy will come to market and why this is so exciting. TIL, similar to CAR-T, it's a cellular therapy that can also have a genetic modification component. So kind of this intersection between gene and cell therapy, which is just such an exciting space where we're seeing a lot of growth. Consistent theme that I'm hearing from you regarding these cellular and gene therapies definitely starting to explode into the market. What are you hearing from our members on their experiences with these agents? What are some of the challenges that they're seeing? This is really a new and upcoming space. So if you think about it, the majority of gene therapies, and if you don't count CAR-T, we only have 11 gene therapies currently approved. 
keep that in mind. We're currently monitoring, I think, 170 gene therapy and cellular therapy products in the pipeline that will be approved, say, over the next decade. So that's huge. And you also have to keep in mind that the majority of products that are currently approved were approved second half of 2022 and later. So very few of us have even gotten our hands on these products to have experience. I think gene therapy really has the potential to revolutionize healthcare. We're no longer focused on treating and managing the symptoms of the disease, but rather really targeting that root cause at the genetic level. And usually it's a one-time dose. These therapies are incredibly expensive. Most gene therapies that we're seeing have a $2 million plus price tag. These drugs require special cold chain storage, special handling. So all of these operational challenges, there's this big question of who's going to pay for these drugs. What I will say right now, our team is doing a lot of work in terms of speaking to our members to understand their needs and how we can best support them. And we'll be hosting the Vizient Cell Gene and Specialty Symposium in April in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, that sounds like an exciting opportunity, and I look forward to hearing more about that coming up. So these cellular and gene therapies seem to be truly ultra specialty. Jenny, what else is going on in the specialty space? Certainly, the specialty segment of the market continues to experience sustained growth, and we've really seen that over the past four or five years. And this growth is driven by two main factors. That is the introduction of brand new specialty medications, some for conditions that have treatments and some for conditions that have never previously had treatments. And then the second factor is really the expansion of indications for currently marketed specialty therapies. Autoimmune and inflammatory disease states are a really great example where we see medications like TNF alphas or interleukins approved in dermatology because certainly it's a lot faster to see responses in plaque psoriasis or eczema. And then we see those approvals continue and spill over into rheumatology. And then some of those also spill over into gastroenterology. It's great that these patients have such a wide variety of options. Last year, we saw the approval of several new specialty medications. Some of the notable ones included the subcutaneous formulation of vetalizumab for patients with inflammatory bowel disease, allowing them to be able to self-administer the medication at home instead of coming in for an infusion. Additionally, new molecule bimikizumab has been approved for the treatment of plaque psoriasis. So again, we're seeing the first indication in dermatology. It's great that patients have a variety of options with these disease states. In addition to some of these injectable options, there have been several oral chemotherapy agents approved for various indications. These include metastatic colorectal cancer, desmoid tumors, acute myeloid leukemia, and non-small cell lung cancer. These four new approvals join the over 100 oral chemo drugs that we have for patients, which is just such a revolution in the way we treat patients with cancer. And then the final big development in the specialty pharmacy space is really the continued uptake of biosimilars. We were so excited for 2023 and the launch of adalimumab biosimilars. One came out in January, a bunch more came out in July. This January was really exciting because now we have coverage determinations from the major pharmacy benefits managers as to which which biosimilars are preferred and which ones they will cover. And additionally, biosimilars for other medications such as Actemra, Tisabri, and Stellara have also been approved. So again, continuing to provide more options for patients and ways to really reduce the overall financial burden of these therapies on patients and their insurance plans. Specialty pharmacy continues to have that sustained growth that we've seen in the past, but we still care for patients in the acute care space. So Amanda, any surprises there? 
I don't think any big surprises. Remdesivir is still ranked number one in the acute care space. However, if we compare member spend for this edition of the PMO, essentially looking back a year, we compare it to what we looked at this time last year. So for the January 2023 publication, member spend has decreased on remdesivir by over 50%. So that's great. And it's finally fallen out of the top 15 altogether for member spend. Sugamidex continues to move up the rank in our top 10 spend with each edition. Data from the clinical database, or CDB, if you're not familiar with that, it's Vizian's analytics platform that leverages member data to trend resource utilization, patient outcomes. It allows members to perform benchmarking and that sort of thing. We asked the CDB team to look at utilization of Sugamidex, and they confirmed an increase in the proportion of cases using Sugamidex as opposed to cases using neostigmine. Usage there was trending downward. And based on findings from Vizian's expert panel on Sugamidex usage, and now with the updated guidelines, I believe we'll continue to see high usage of Sugamidex as it's preferred over neostigmine, with the exception being that neostigmine is considered a reasonable alternative at minimal depth of sedation. That makes a lot of sense. And I know folks refer back to the update with the guidelines as a big reason for seeing the increased utilization of Sugamidex. So the moment we've all been waiting for, Jenny, what's the projection for this edition? So our predicted price inflation rate for the period of July 2024 to June 2025 is 3.80%. This projection represents the estimated price change of medications that will be purchased during that time period. It is worth noting that this is the highest inflation rate we have published in the PMO since our July 2019 edition. Several factors really contribute to this increased inflation rate. As you've heard Amanda and I say over and over, increases in cellular and gene therapy, specialty and ultra specialty approvals are really going to impact both price tags as well as inflation rates that are being applied by these suppliers. There are additional indications approved for existing medications. When drugs go into other therapeutic areas in different disease states, they have a different mix of competition. And there is, again, the potential for suppliers to adjust the prices accordingly. And then finally, our team has also identified certain products that took higher than customary price increases over the last year, which we have included in a new table in our publication. So these products have experienced 10 or 20% price increases instead of the usual 3, 4, 5%. This is leading to an overall inflationary effect. Looking ahead, our team is super excited to be working on additional forecasting capabilities. We're exploring the inclusion of factors such as increases in utilization and estimated budgetary impacts for new medication approvals. So Amanda mentioned the 170 or so new cellular and gene therapies in the pipeline and trying to really figure out, are these going to be 2 million, 2.5 million, 3 million? Where are they going to fall in that mix of extremely high cost ultra specialty medications? These enhancements aim to provide a more comprehensive outlook and really assist our providers in planning for their future healthcare costs. We anticipate launching these capabilities in our summer 2024 outlook, which will launch at the end of July. If you missed that number, our projected inflation rate is 3.80%. This is just the cost of medications and does not include increases in utilization or new drug approvals that we did not factor into our forecast. It's very notable that this is the largest increase since July of 19. So thanks for pointing that out. And I am also very interested in checking out that higher than customary increase table. So appreciate you sharing that too. Where can our listeners go if they want more detailed information on the outlook? 
Both our providers as well as non-Vizient customers can visit our website at vizientinc.com. Our providers can log in to download the full report and interact with our webpage to find additional companion documents, such as the letter to C-suite that can be shared with hospital or system leadership to really translate some of these key findings from the pharmacy market outlook. And again, you can look in the show notes to get the links that will help you locate and download the pharmacy market outlook. I appreciate that detail, and I know our members and listeners will as well. Jenny and Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today to share your thoughts and insights. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks so much, Gretchen. Thank you, Gretchen. Please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.